Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Legal Visionaries Podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack. Welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Legal Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news, evolving methods of providing legal service and law practice issues. My name is Mary Vandenack, founder and managing partner at Vandenack Weaver LLC. I'll be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about closely held business, tax, trusts and estates, legal technology, law firm leadership, and well-being. Before we start today's episode, I want to thank our sponsors. Here is a word from one of our sponsors, Interactive Legal. There's always a resistance to change, particularly with attorneys. Attorneys like to look back at what's worked in the past, and that makes a lot of sense. But when you realize that with a good automated drafting system, you can do a better job for your clients, deliver documents on a more timely fashion, in a more consistent and in a more costly manner. If you're not a subscriber to Interactive Legal, I urge you to go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. And you'll be contacted about having a demonstration of interactive legal for you, which can be done right over the Internet. Don't have to leave your office. No salesperson will call. We can arrange it at a time inconvenient for you. So please go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. The Right Reflection is an executive coaching firm specializing in helping leaders achieve their highest potential by developing both their inner and outer game of leadership. Sometimes people do not think of themselves as leaders because they aren't in a traditional leadership role, but most people are leaders in one sense or another, and leadership is challenging these days. If you would like to improve your skills, check out therightreflection.com today. Today's episode is on lawyers as leaders. My guest is Pam Hernandez, the founder and CEO of The Right Reflection, a coaching firm specializing in helping leaders achieve their highest potential. Pam's focus is on developing what she refers to as both the inner game and the outer game of leadership. And I just also want to mention that Pam's been in leadership positions really, and so firsthand kind of knows her stuff having been through it before she founded The Right Reflection. And I always think that says a lot in terms of, hey, I've actually done this and I know what it's like so she can share from real experience as well. But thanks for joining us today, Pam. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, Pam, as you know, I asked you to speak on this topic and a couple of others that we've done podcasts together on because I've been working on my personal brand. And part of my personal brand is just an absolute passion about wellness. It is so important to me. And I think for professionals, it's such a challenge. We had one conversation about culture and billable hours. And I know that I was in a culture where I just thought I was going to die trying to keep the pace and didn't know my way out of it. Your focus is on helping leaders, and one of the things that I really like that you talk about is that everybody in every position has leadership in some sense, right? And I think people overlook that, and I was taught that I I was a racehorse trainer before I became a lawyer, and I remember being told, you know, that hot walker who just walks horses around the barn all day, he, like, knows everything about everything, right? And that's, to me, really important to recognize that whatever our role is, that we are in a position. So, you know, can you explain a little bit about, you know, the whole concept of leadership position? 
Yeah, a lot of people feel that they are not leaders because they don't have a title like supervisor, manager, VP, etc. But um, that's because they have a very narrow uh, definition of leadership. Um, I like the definition that leadership is creating outcomes that matter. And as a lawyer, you guys are all about that. I mean, you have, you're creating results for your clients, for your firms, for yourself, and uh, all leaders in a big way. And really, leadership is all about being good with people. Everybody in the firm is a leader. So let's just say we have a new class of associates come into a law firm, and there's five associates. And so they're all coming in at the same level. Is there a way in which they are leaders to each other? Oh, sure. Because uh, leadership is all about people. And effective leaders lead by example. They empower others. They, um, um, you know, help people with the vision. So it's not about, but they don't have a supervisory role. And that's where people get confused. Um, Because people are leaders without necessarily positional power. uh, But what they have is influence. And uh, oftentimes leaders don't look at the fact that it's not just positional power, it's influential power, personal power. And everyone will be a better employee, be more productive, be more engaged if they are developing their personal power. And isn't leadership in that sense even how you conduct yourself outside of the workplace? Let's say I'm at the grocery store and there's a screaming kid and it's annoying me. Option Mm -hmm. one, I can yell at the parent and say, can't you like control your obnoxious child, right? Mm -hmm. That might be one. Or the other might be I might try and just quietly do something to distract the child or be positive and understanding. I mean, isn't it true that wherever I am, I can exhibit leadership qualities? Exactly. And um, I do leadership development programs that are like nine months long. And at the end of it, oftentimes my participants are so surprised that that the work that we've done together has had such an impact on their personal life in addition to their professional life. And one of the things that I like, and it was an article, and I really appreciate I asked you to kind of step in in the final hour. I was editor-in-chief at one point for Law Practice Magazine, and knowing your background in leadership and you just done some work for us, I needed an article for the leadership column. And one of the concepts that you included in that article, and I'll acknowledge I've done a lot of reading on leadership. I've done a lot of trainings in leadership and to a lot of leadership conferences, and I'd not really heard this distinction made between the inner and outer game of leadership. And I thought it was pretty significant. So can you explain what that means? Sure. And partially I developed my leadership development programs based on my frustration with all the leadership courses I took throughout my career um, because they focused on the outer game. And it's the outer game are things that I would call the technical skills, practices, strategies. Unfortunately, people think that, okay, if I go to this class and learn the 10 steps to conflict, that I'm going to then be good at conflict. That's the outer game. The thing is, is if you don't deal with the mindset of why do I hate conflict, Uh, and then those 10 steps are not going to help you at all. 
And so what about, you know, delegation? Yes. That's one of my favorite. It's amazing. Um, The two things that executives or leaders of any stripe hate the most or feel they're the worst at is giving feedback and delegating. So um, I'll oftentimes go through this step. So and and you can Google online the 10 steps to delegation, the five steps to this, etc. But not to speak out of school, but I know you have a little difficulty sometimes delegating uh, some things. So let's, you want to walk through an example? I'm happy to. And I have to say it's one thing over the years that I think has improved a lot for Mm -hmm. me, right? But delegation can be really challenging. So it's like you really care about the outcome to the client Mm -hmm. and you think, hey, I'm the best one Mm -hmm. to do this. And so you start by like, okay, well, I have too much on my plate Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And so you have a lot of, you know, one of the excuses for not delegating, I'm just too busy to think Mm -hmm. about it even. Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. what I would do sometimes is I might just say, well, just delegate this little piece of the project and not really give somebody full responsibility for it, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd say the, the, one of the other things is that I, you know, I do have a sense, and I think this is really common for lawyers. And if you talk to a couple other lawyers in my office, they'll say, well, it's easier just to do this myself. Mm -hmm. Or a lot of times I think I'm the one who's best equipped to do it. And I can tell you that I had a client one time say to me, you know, you are really good at what you do. And here's the thing. If you actually delegate my entire project to John, John will probably do it differently. But Mary, differently doesn't mean bad. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll actually be better than the way you were going to do it. So that's, you know, those are the kind of things that have actually helped me to delegate. But it's, it's a big issue to think is like, okay, time, it's easier to do it myself. It takes more time sometimes to delegate it to somebody. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I would tell you that at one point in my career, I was definitely the micromanager who, mm-hmm. okay, what about this? What about this? And those are some of the things that I think make it really hard to delegate. I think law is a tough area to delegate in. Yes, it is. And any area that requires um, a large body of knowledge, and sometimes there are licensure and regulatory things that will limit your delegation too. But what I would say to you, because if you came to me and said, I'd really like to get better at delegating, Pam, and you already answered my first question, I would say, well, what are you doing that gets in the way of uh, delegating? And you told me some of these. Now, sometimes, though, people will say, tell me what their thoughts are. And those are great, but I want to translate those into behaviors. Okay, so you feel someone can't do it as well as you. If I were following you around with a video camera, how would I know that? Do you roll your eyes? Do you just uh, give over instructions? And so I'd, I really want to get a list of behaviors that pretty much you have generated, that these are the things that are getting in my way. Now, A lot of people, this is where the uh, leadership training comes in. Well, they'll say, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this. And change never happens. So where I would start is I would say, okay, Mary, I want you to imagine that you delegate that whole project you were talking about. That, uh, and it comes back and it's not the way you would do it. Um, And you 
really think it's probably not as good as what you would do it. And you took the time to do it. Um, What are some of the uncomfortable feelings that come up to you? Well, one of those for me would actually be, um, I have a strong sense of responsibility to my clients. Mm -hmm. And I want things that are done right for them, right? So Mm -hmm. I feel like this is not going to be acceptable to them. This Mm -hmm. is going to make them think that I can't hire good people. This is going to make them question my credibility. Um, Those are the type of feelings that would come up. Right. And what's, and those are important for you. And those are worries for you. So then I would work with you a little bit. And um, I would say, so you're also committed, you're committed to getting better at delegating, but you're also committed to making sure everything is right for your client. You're also committed to making sure things are done right. And you say, yeah. And so then it's really a situation where we have one foot on the gas pedal and one foot on the brake. I want to get better at delegating, but I'm also committed and I'm not, and this part's usually unconscious, but I'm also committed to making sure everything's done right and to make sure that um, X, Y, and Z. Because then we take it one step further. And so then I say, okay, if you're committed to making sure you do everything right for your client, you must be assuming, and I would say this and then you could correct me, you must be assuming you're the only one that can do it right for your client. That's possible. Okay. And again, I'm not saying to say it's not. But yeah, no, that's, that's possible. And so then I help the client generate um, uh, some things. I also must assume that I don't have time to show somebody uh, uh, how to do it. Uh, well, and that happens because I have to do everything myself. myself. So the pile on my desk is really big, big. and I'm really far behind. And so mm-hmm. I just have to keep plowing through the project, project after project after project, because I'm the right person to do these. Yes. And if I take the time to delegate, then I'm going to get even further behind. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have more clients mad at me. Yeah. And so what we have just done is create something that's called an immunity map. And it's showing why you are immune not consciously, but immune to effectively delegating. So in a coaching relationship, we would probably do this in our second or third appointment, but then we would work on, and it doesn't happen right away, to start poking holes in your assumptions. Uh, So let's look at the assumption that... So can I ask a question? Because I just want to make clear for the listeners, because I've having read your recent article, the inner versus the outer game. So it, mm-hmm. is it the assumptions when we're dealing with the assumptions mm-hmm. that we're dealing yeah. with the, uh, the, inner, the game. inner game? And that's where you make change to make the longer term change. Exactly. Thank you for clarifying that. Because basically the inner game is your mindset. Okay. And so when we're doing like just that inner 
Oh yeah, the inner game's mindset. So the outer game, what you're saying, I just I just want to kind of reemphasize mm-hmm. this point is a lot of the leadership trainings for oh here to improve your delegation, mm-hmm. what you need to do is just give away the whole project. But that's not addressing, addressing. the fact that I'm getting a stomachache mm-hmm. thinking about whether this is going to be right mm-hmm. and done the way mm-hmm. I need it to be done. Exactly. And what you've just described is what we call the difference between a technical challenge and an adaptive challenge. If you could just do that, if you could just do everything that's in the leadership training, that's a technical answer. And that's great if you can. But if you're one of those people that has some of those assumptions, it's not going to work. You're going to have to go after the inner game of why are you hesitant? And it's taken a lifetime to come up with these assumptions. And for the most part, they're under the surface. So you're not going to change overnight or with one three-hour online course. And that's really where I think I add value is helping people just basically I ask questions. But the people find it very helpful because the change then, and I tell people, you're not going to change and check the box and now I'm a delegator. This is a lifetime process. But as you move forward, you're going to start realizing, okay, I'm getting that feeling. Can I kind of close with just one story of how this happened to me? I want to ask you one more. I don't want to tell, but don't consider closing it because I have a question I want to ask you. Okay. When I started my career at my former company as a a trainer and a writer, and then I got... um, promoted into management. And now I had writers working for me. And I had developed a reputation for developing training exercises that um, the field force really liked and found helpful. I had to delegate that responsibility to a new writer. She wrote something up and I looked at it and I was like, it's just not right. So I took it into my boss who was rather brusque. And I said, read this for me and tell me, is it, um, is it clear? Is it okay? Or is there just something off with it? And so I went back to my office, he read it, came back, tossed it on my desk and said, it's fine. It's just not the way you would do it. And uh, especially when it's something we've done, We have some pride, we have some ownership, and in my mind, that's the way you do training. So, now your question. So, I was going to say one of the things that I do, I think that learning the delegation does take a change of the underlying assumptions, and personally, like, I'd say I'm a pretty good lawyer, but having some help and support along that way, and people... Even clients calling you out saying, wow, you know, I really want that work turned around as much as I like your work, so can you bring in some help, right? But the other, I know there's lawyers, I think, fall into two camps, and there's like me who struggled to delegate for a long time who's gotten better at it, but I see the flip side, which I call the over-delegator, who comes in and just throws stuff on somebody's desk and it figures them out how to do that. So what is the... You know, there's a inner term. game on that one. Well, there's a term for that, too. That's not delegating. That's dumping. And um, oftentimes when effective delegation is if you give it to one of your lawyers, it may actually be a growth experience for them. Because once they can do it, then they can do it forever. 
and they're going to learn something, and they're going to get some ownership in it, etc. So uh, a dumping is just, I don't have time for this. Uh, go set up this conference. Um, but yes, they do have an inner game, and I'd love to visit with them. Uh, so it could be that their basic issue is sloppiness. And so they decide to pay attention to a little bit more detail. So then we'd go through the same process of figuring out because some things are just a technical challenge. I just don't know how to do that. Give me the book. More things and the important things are adaptive challenges and those involve getting into mindset and it's helpful to have someone outside kind of asking you questions because it's hard to see ourselves. So I'm going to ask you a question just off the top. If you said to our listeners today, okay, no matter what your exact job is today, no exact or what your position is, hey, even if you're not, a, don't have a job right now and you're walking through the grocery store. And so you're thinking about, I want to represent and let's go with positive leadership mm-hmm. wherever I am. What maybe three tips okay. could you provide? One is um, I like uh, uh, a saying, and it's not mine. I read it somewhere a long time ago. It says, leadership is as much about who you are as what you do. And now, um, most of us focus on the doing. We do not, which is very, very important. And the reason we focus on it is that's what we get paid for, uh, etc. But it's as important who we are. And so one thing I will tell people is, so you're in that grocery store with that screaming kid that's not yours. Who do you want to be in that moment? Do you want to be an empathetic mother who's been there? Uh, Or do you want to be the upset person who's having their day? So sometimes, I don't know if that's three tips, but that's uh, something to keep in your mind. Who do I want to be right now? How do I want to show up? And then if you get that straight, what you're going to do really becomes clear. Is going to resolve itself. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being here today, Pam. I really appreciate it. Thank you. As we get to the end of our show, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal and The Right Reflection. That's all for today. Stay tuned for our weekly releases. Ahura Media Production.